Let's face it, life isn't always the party we thought it would be. So how do we find the joy when we need it? And what if it's up to us to create it? That's where the Party On podcast comes in. Our goal? To shine the proverbial disco light on all the things that can make our lives easier, healthier, and a heck of a lot more fun. So we can enjoy the party we were all invited to. Live our best lives and dance like no one's watching. Happy Friday, friends. I am so glad you are here today. I know this is not my normal podcast day. If you follow me on Instagram at the Festive Farmhouse, then you know that I severely lost my voice and it is just now coming back. I've been doing my best to rest it per doctor's orders, and I'm going to continue to do that today. I'm actually just recording an intro because today I'm going to share with you the talk I did on Leap Day at a conference just a few weeks ago. Those of you who do follow me know how terrified I was to do public speaking in this kind of arena, but I am so grateful I did. The topic is all about leaping and doing that which scares you, which is unbelievably appropriate for this day and age. So if you've ever wondered what inspired us to leap and move to the middle of nowhere from the city, then continue listening. I hope you guys enjoy this and I hope it encourages you to leap. It is so nice to be here. I see a lot of familiar faces, which I'm grateful for, and a lot of new ones. Um, but I do want to say that we're all friends here, right? Say yes. yes. Okay, because I am going to actually share some pretty embarrassing things, so that's pretty important to me. <laughs> Um, we're going to have some fun, but uh, I was going to reintroduce myself, but Leslie did that. Um, so let's just jump right in. I have a fun little Instagram community, and on Fridays, I like to do something fun there called Friday Confessions, because who doesn't love a good confession, right? And I kind of feel like it levels the playing field and makes us all feel kind of like relatively normal. So I'm going to start with that today. So here is my confession. I am terrified of public speaking. <laughs> and I mean terrified. And to prove it to you, I'm going to start out by telling you a little story. It was something we used to lovingly refer to around here as the Advent candle lighting incident of 07. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Reverend Elizabeth Mosley, who we called Ethan at the time, asked my husband and I to light the Advent candle in Cornerstone. And I was immediately apprehensive because Cornerstone, that's a lot of people. I like to say that's a little too people-y for me. But my husband wanted to do it, and I agreed. You guys, never mind that I was in charge of the Cornerstone service at this time. Just don't put me on stage. I can be, I can be backstage, but don't put me on stage. So we're on our way to the service that morning, and I told my husband, look, you're going to have to, you're going to have to read the scripture because I know how this works. They're going to hand you a little piece of paper and you're going to read the scripture and then I can light the candle because if the problem is I shake like a lot. Do you see this? And so I was like, look, if I hold the paper, it is a dead giveaway. <laughs> so I can't read. You're going to have to read. He said, sure. So we go up there, we start, and I'm going to use this pen as an example. And I don't know why, I really don't know why, but somehow I couldn't quite get the candle lit. And y'all, our scripture was very short, so this was dire. This was dire. I had to get this candle lit. So I had no choice but to go for the double death grip. 
And still, I could not get this candle lit. I don't know how. Y'all, I, I might as well have been like wrestling a Harry Potter wand gone awry. Because it was doing, it would have been easier actually, because I could have just set a spell and lit it. But I finally got it lit, and all I remember was looking at the front row and seeing this lady looking at me <laughs> like this. <clears throat> and needless to say, we weren't invited back <laughs> to do that. And here I am leaping, by the way, leaping. So Sarah Beard, when she, thank you, thank you. So Sarah Beard, when she contacted me to speak here, you can kind of guess what I, what I wanted to say to her. It was kind of like, <laughs> no, no. Um, but I didn't have the courage to say no. And so I came up with all these reasons under the sun to say no, like my Aunt June was gonna be in town. I don't have an Aunt June. Um, <laughs> my mom said I couldn't, I'm, I'm almost 40. And let's see what else, my dogs ate my speech. So we were on the phone and she said, well, I wanna tell you what the topic is. The topic is leaping and doing that which scares you and trusting in the unknown. And I was like, dang it, <laughs> dang it. So here I am. But in all seriousness, I really never thought I was much of a leaper. Um, I've always been a very fearful person. I had horrible anxiety as a child. Um, at the time, we had no idea what it was. We just thought I was different, which is probably true. But that carried on into my adult life. Uh, things that kids, I feel like, normally did when they were younger, I didn't do because I was too scared. So I never went to overnight camp. I didn't ride a roller coaster till I was 25. Um, I was always just too scared to try. And in fact, one of my favorite sermon series that I worked on here, I don't know if anybody remembers it, it was way, this is way from the back files, um, was called Hostage. And we talked about all the fears in life that hold us back and that hold us hostage. And we even talked about how Stockholm Syndrome, do you all know what Stockholm Syndrome is? So Stockholm Syndrome, syndrome even applies to that because we wind up almost falling in love with our fears because it keeps us safe. And as we were preparing for that sermon series, I realized with my team, I was like, wow, I am an incredibly fearful person, like more than everybody in this room. I'm never the one to leap. I'm never the one to take a risk. And I'm certainly not courageous. And I evaluated that, and I think I saw myself as weak. I think I saw myself as better off playing it safe and better off going where I was told um, instead of leaning into where I felt like I belonged. And I think a lot of that is um, how, what society teaches us about being women, I really do. Um, but life has a really funny way of changing us, doesn't it? and we get braver. And a lot of times, I think we do because we have to. And that started for me when I left my career. So I was at the top of my game, exactly where I'd always wanted to be, or so I thought. But I wasn't happy at all. My anxiety was through the roof, and I have come to learn in my life that my anxiety peaks when I'm not being my most authentic self. It's a dead giveaway. The problem was I had no way out because I had just taken a large promotion and people were depending on me. And in my eyes, I didn't have a reason to leave. So I started trying to come up with plans, anything that I could do, find my own replacement, anything, so that I wasn't leaving this disaster behind me. And then by chance, 
I got pregnant. And I mean, not by chance, I know how that works, just... <laughs> we weren't planning on it. And I thought, well, this is perfect. I'll just segue straight into stay-at-home mom life. No one will be the wiser. I can help find my own replacement. This is just great. And then I carried on at my regular harried pace, desperately trying to do it all when I was already burned out. And at 14 weeks, I lost our sweet baby. And I'm not proud of this. And it's going to be very hard for me to say out loud. But my first thought sitting on that doctor's table was, how am I going to get up now? So I went home to recover emotionally and physically, and I inherently knew what I had to do. So I gave my notice without any reason. But the thing is, I realized I didn't need a reason. I needed God. I needed God to hold my hand, to help me stand up and say, I'm spent. To say, I've had a really good run, and I'm proud of that. And I needed him to help me stand up for myself and say, I'm taking care of me now. So fast forward a few years. I'd like to say everything was rainbows and unicorns, but it wasn't. My personal life started to crumble all around me, and that was completely foreign to me, completely foreign to me. It was a time in my life that I'd rather forget, but I'm actually very grateful for. And I've said this on my podcast before, but as much as I would love to share every detail of this time in my life with you guys, because that's really my personality, I just kind of go bleh. But it's not just my story, it's my family's story. It's my kid's story and my husband's story. And I feel like in today's day and age, privacy is practically extinct. And I actually feel like it's more important than ever. But what I will tell you is that I learned firsthand what rock bottom was. And I thought, maybe I can't say that for sure. Um, but what I can say, really, is if, if that wasn't rock bottom, I don't want to know what is. I really don't. We were broken for such a long time. And we were trying to recover as a family. But we were only a few months in. Things were still really rocky, and trust was depleted across the board on both sides. We felt very lost, and we're trying to find our way. And through my therapy, I realized what I was craving most in my life was harmony. So harmony in my marriage, harmony with my children, harmony with my relationship with God. I wanted to feel whole again with every aspect of my life. And during this time, we used to escape <clears throat> to the country because, quite frankly, there were a lot of negative memories attached to our house. And it was better for us to get out and try to make new ones. So we would pick small towns in Texas, and we would just travel and go there just for a day or two and check it out, see what it was about, but really just let our boys run free and try to make new memories. And it was on one of those trips that we found ourselves at the top of Hill Country at a beautiful historic church at sunset. My boys were running around playing, and it was just magical. And right at that moment, I heard the word here. And I literally heard it. I remember turning around to see if my husband was behind me, and he wasn't. And I, I chalked it up to the wind, because there's crazy wind. Crazy wind there, guys. Uh, um, but I just chalked it up to the wind. We headed on down the road, 
And about two miles down, we saw a for sale sign. And I saw it, but I just kept looking on. And out of nowhere, my husband slammed the brakes and turns into this long gravel drive. And I'm all, what are you doing? We're going to get shot. This is Texas. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 we won't get shot. And I was like, why did you pull over? And he said, something just told me to pull over. And so here we go down this gravel drive after he assured me we were not going to get shot. And we're going down the gravel drive. And I can still remember exactly what I said. I said, this view, it is like heaven. It is just too bad the house is so ugly. <laughs> I like to think God has a good laugh at that one. Now, mind you, this is an important time for me to tell you we had no plans of moving. None. Zip, zero, nada. All of our family is in Dallas. And remember, as a core family, we're fragile. So our family was our lifeline. So it wasn't even something to be considered. So it was quite alarming that the next morning when we woke up at the Best Western, because we fancy, <laughs> we woke up at the Best Western, and my husband and I both kind of confessed that we had been secretly cyber-stalking the property on our, you know, without telling each other. So he called and made an appointment to look at the house. And I said, Are you, have you lost your ever-loving mind? But I said yes, because I love me a good house tour. <laughs> In fact, if anyone ever wants to go like open house hopping, I'm your girl. So I said, sure. So on the way down there that day, I was extremely nauseous. Now, I'm, not, I'm no stranger to this, because my anxiety manifests itself in a very physical way. <clears throat> so well, I denied it at first. But when I started getting more nauseous, the closer we got, I, the jig was up. I pretty much knew. And so we get down there, and the whole way there, I am coming up with every reason under the sun that we should not possibly think of moving. Does that sound familiar from what I did coming here? So my Aunt June, all that. My mom says we can't. <laughs> and as we, I have patterns. So as we arrive that day, and the realtor starts showing us around, it started to feel like God was playing some kind of sick joke on me, really, truly. Because God and I were kind of chatting back and forth the whole day, and this is about how it went down, okay? So me, this is me. God, we cannot move here. Our family is our lifeline. We would be crazy to move two hours away right now. We hardly feel like we know each other as a family. And if we moved here, there's nowhere for them to stay. I mean, they would have to come stay and just help us survive. This is God in his best realtor voice. <laughs> Let me show you the mother-in-law suite above the garage, com complete with kitchenette, bathroom, and balcony view. And I was like, okay, God came to play. He came to play. God won, alley zero. So it continued, me. <clears throat> well, the house is ugly, really ugly. Um, and I'm sure if it's that ugly on the outside, it's hideous on the inside. And it probably has nothing that we need. God, Allie, you're, you're kind of good at the house thing. And... Let me show you the upstairs again in his real voice. Let me show you the upstairs with one room for each boy, complete with window seats, play area, and family room. And I was getting really nauseous at this point. One last one, because this one was a doozy. Me, God, look, we have always said that if we're going to move somewhere, my husband relaxes by doing woodworking, and we'd have to have a space for him to do that. God, let me show you the workshop where the gentleman who used to live here who recently passed, 
was an avid woodworker and left all of his woodworking machines <laughs> to be sold with the house. And I was all, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, God, give me something. Give me something to work with here. So at the end of the day, I am, I am green, and I'm just, I want to go home. I want to go home where it's safe. I want to go home where it's comfortable. I want to go home where my family is. And the realtor says, do you want to go see the creek? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, a creek is a creek is a creek, right? Like, I've, I've seen a creek, you've seen one, you've seen them all, I want to go home. And he looked at me funny and he said, I think you should see the creek. So I'm all, okay, here we go, hopping on a four-wheeler. By the way, who am I, Daisy Duke? Because I'm just much more of an indoor girl. And here we are, fur-wheeling. <laughs> down to the creek. And we're almost there and I start hearing the sound of rushing water and I'm like, what do you mean by creek? And we hit this clearing, and y'all, there is not a creek on the property. There is a creek. I mean, there were kayaks involved. And I look over at my two boys with looks on their faces like they just hit the jackpot. And they took off running. And it was in that moment that I had to admit defeat. And it was a good thing we were outside because I promptly turned and puked. That's how nervous I was. Uh, and again, this may not seem like that big of a leap to, to y'all, moving you know, to farmland, but we, we had no clue what we were doing. Um, it didn't feel smart, I'm not going to lie, but it oddly felt right. And we told our family, who were not happy about it, and in fact, out of all of our friends, very, very few of them supported us. They all thought we were crazy, and I get it, because so did I. And the day we closed, my husband and I felt like, uh, well, I guess I should mention that part. We bought the house. The, <laughs> the day we closed on it, uh, my husband and I went down there, and we were kind of reveling in our bravery, because this felt like such a big thing to us. And we decided to go celebrate by looking at the farmhouse and just celebrating. And we go down there, and we were greeted with an open door and a house full of animal droppings and well water that had turned because it had been stagnant so long, for, so the entire property smelled like sulfur. And I remember crying in a booth at Chicken Express, <laughs> which is one of five restaurants in our new town, and I use the term restaurant very loosely. Again, we're coming from Dallas. And I sat there and I remember saying, is it always gonna feel like we're camping? <laughs> And I just had the ultimate buyer's remorse. And my husband said, no, no, it's not buyer's remorse. It's honeymoon shock. And I was like, what? What's honeymoon shock? And he's like, you know, first time you like see your spouse on the toilet or something and you're all like, oh God, I guess, I guess this is real life. I guess this is what we do now. <laughs> That's what I live with, by the way. That's my husband. But three years later, I can honestly say we've never looked never looked back. We are thriving as a family, as individuals, as a couple, in our spiritual lives because we trusted and we leaped. And looking back at that drive, really looking back at my whole life, I think what I've realized about my anxiety is that fear and anxiety might be our greatest roadmap. 
I really believe that they are. Because I believe that in actuality, it's pointing us to where we most want to go. And I believe that fear is the devil trying to hold us back from that. Trying to keep us from everything we were meant to do, from everything God has planned for us. And we know God didn't make us to have a spirit of fear. But leaping is so scary. It is so scary. And this is where I feel like rock bottom served me well. I often talk about how rock bottom is a blessing. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't want to go back there. It was miserable. But life on the other side of rock bottom is such a beautiful thing. It's, it's stunning. And here's the thing about rock bottom. When you are at rock bottom, you are actually at the bottom. Write that down, that's going to be the best quote of the day. Okay? But seriously, let's demonstrate this. So if I can keep my mic on me. When you are at rock bottom, leaping doesn't really seem that hard, right? I would demonstrate, but I'm not very coordinated. So, but it's not hard, right? But if you are, don't fall, Allison. If you are on a mountaintop, suddenly it's a little bit scarier, right? And think about it. Nobody is paying money. If they are, send them over and I'll talk to them. But no one's paying money to go somewhere where you can hop across the floor. Like trampoline parks don't count. Like just hopping across the floor. But people pay money to do ropes courses and skydiving all the time. How many of you have done a ropes course? How many of you have gone skydiving? Did you know that skydiving instructors generally say that they have to nudge their tandem partner, tandem is when you're attached, out of the plane. And let's be honest, I think we all know by nudge, they mean push. <laughs> so they pushing. But if you ask those same skydivers who were too afraid to leap what they felt right when they left the plane, they'd say exhilaration, euphoria, peace, joy, Pride. Everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of leaping. And anything that it is that you're too scared to do, do it anyways. Because God will be your parachute. And he will carry you all the way down. Trust me, I have seen it and I've lived it several times. And honestly, this is what I like to think about. What do you have to lose? I really want y'all to think about that prayerfully over the next couple of weeks. Is it failure you're afraid of? Because wouldn't the ultimate failure be never even trying? So you know how people share life hacks these days? I'm gonna share a leaping hack. Mm -hmm. So if you're too scared to leap from the mountaintop because no shame, it's scary as all get out, build up to it. Take small leaps. And it comes, I live in a farming community now, so it comes as no surprise to me that I'm about to reference raising pigs. <laughs> so just roll with it. So a wise man in our community said, look, if you were to pick up your baby pig and jump across the fence holding him and then put him down, if you were to do that one time every day, that by God, 
when that pig was grown, you'd be able to do the same thing. We work up to it. It is no different than going to the gym and lifting weights, so I've heard. <laughs> or <laughs> learning to run a long distance. The more leaping we do, the easier it gets. And maybe we say baby steps all the time, but maybe we should look at it as baby leaps. And it took me tons of baby leaps, you guys. Tons of trusting, tons of walking on water, leaving my career, starting a business when I had nothing. And the list goes on. All of that to work up to where I am today. And I think what I want you to know is that if I can do it, I promise you, you guys can do it. I promise you. I look back and I get so teary thinking about it. But I look back at little Allison, too afraid to go into her fourth grade class because she was so afraid of her teacher. Um, adult Allison, too afraid to leave abusive relationships or toxic friendships because I was too scared to hurt their feelings. And I just want to hold on to her and say, baby girl, hold on so tight because you are going to leap so big. A few months into living in the country, uh, I sat and stared at our view with a group of new friends. And they had lived there their entire lives. And I sat there reflecting in gratitude for how far God had really carried me. And I'll be darned if my friend sitting next to me didn't say, you guys have the best view of Harmony Valley. That's what it was called the entire time. I followed my roadmap, I found what I was looking for, and I never would have landed there, parachute still intact, had I not leaped. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so grateful that you did not make us to have spirits of fear, but rather spirits of courage. Help us to be grateful for the unknowns, grateful for the rock bottoms, grateful for the God-given ability to leap. Be with every woman in this room today. Help her to feel empowered by your presence and ready to take the next baby leap, whatever that may be. God, we know we cannot do it alone, and we are grateful that we don't have to. Help us to remember that you are strong when we are not, and that you have us always in the palm of your hand. Amen. Oh, I leaped. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself right now. Oh, that was so good. I'm going to open it up for questions, anyone, and we can just kind of have some dialogue. Or um, so Does anybody have any questions for Allison? Ooh, there's one. Awesome. I didn't think there'd I'm be any. I'm just going to give you the mic so everyone can hear. <clears throat> Um, just wondering how your boys, um, how was their transition to the country? Okay, so that was a big, big concern of ours. Um, now they're younger. At the time we moved, they were five and three. Um, so we weren't like too established in schools or anything. But I mean, we were taking them away from everything they'd ever known and introducing them into an entire different way of life. Um, they honestly went into it seamlessly. And I think it was because, this is what my husband and I talked about at the time, our choice was to stay here and still feel kind of miserable in how we were carrying ourselves every day. 
um, or move to the country, even though that's a risk for our children, but come alive as parents. And I think they feed off of that energy so well. So since we just, we moved there, and I honestly, everyone said, well, you were gonna have a long period of transition. And it, it, there was none, other than I remember the trash is done differently. You have to burn your trash, which that was really surreal to me. But other than that, like we were just on cloud nine. We knew, we knew. God made it very clear that this is where you're supposed to go. And he was like, just rest and relax now. This is where you're supposed to be. And I think our kids picked up on that energy. So it was very seamless for them. I don't know if that answers the question. And they love their school. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so everyone else can hear the question. Uh, how long have you lived there and what is your new career? Okay, so I have lived there for, we've lived there for three years now. And right before, this is another piece of the story, but I didn't think we had time. Right before um, we moved, when remember, we weren't planning on moving, I started a business and I opened a shop here in Dallas selling vintage finds, but also my real passion is making meaningful gifts for people to send. So I design ornaments for happy times in life or sad times in life, miscarriage, we, and all sorts of things. And then um, we have boxes that you can ship to people for anyone who's going through cancer, all things like that, or happy occasions. But I had just started that. And I had just finished getting the shop set up. So I had to go back and say, uh, I kind of need out of my lease. <laughs> so I, basically we moved there. I took a while to get you know, settled. And then I moved the whole shop online. So, which I love, because I get to be with my kids 24-7. They help me with it. They love it. So, yeah. yeah. Any other questions? I don't know. I knew there was one over here. Can you pass that over there? It's not a question, but could you share your leap about Matt and Jeff? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think they would love it. Yeah, you know, we, <laughs> this past season in our lives has been really crazy, and we were like, we can't take on anything else. Absolutely not. And one night, um, my youngest woke up in his room yelling for me. And I thought, oh, he's having a nightmare. And you know how you are as a mom. I mean, you leap out of bed. Huh, leap. And I ran up the stairs. And well, I didn't get to the top of the stairs, because by the time I got to the top of the stairs, I see these two dark animals looking at me. And it's pitch black. And all I see are their eyes. And they're very dark. And y'all, this is the country. So I'm thinking, raccoons feral hogs, how did they get into our house? And I'm terrified. <clears throat> so they, uh, they come running down the stairs, like, and I'm like, oh, you know? And I, know, I see that they're puppies. Now, they're big puppies, okay? And I'm like, what in the actual heck is happening right now? And they come running into our living room, and I try to wake my husband up. And I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but there's two puppies in our house. And he was like, and I was like, okay. I'm going to handle this. But I was in such shock, I couldn't handle it. I just kept standing there going, oh my goodness, because they like kept jumping <laughs> all over me and like pulling at my nightgown. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're so cute, you know? And that woke my husband up, and he came running out. He was like, why, why are there puppies in our house? And I said, that's what I just tried to tell you. And he said, well, take them outside or something. So I took them outside, and they continued to chase me while I said, oh my goodness. 
And we couldn't figure out, we were just like, what on earth? And we finally realized we went back inside and the front door, I guess, hadn't latched. We do lock our doors at night, but the front door hadn't latched and that door was wide open. So we were like, this is kind of scary. Did they let themselves in? Did someone put them in our house? Now we, it's really sad out in the country. We come across, we are, I'm a crazy dog lady, but we rescue as in, find a dog a new home a couple times a month because people come out there. If you ever want to rescue a dog, you guys please go to a rural area and go to the shelters out there because people that don't want their dogs anymore just come dump them in the country. It's, it's awful. And so we were like, did somebody dump them? Like, we don't know. So I gave them a little bit of food and water and left them you know, on the porch because I didn't know what else to do and it was a warm night, it was fine. So. We go back to bed, but I'm not sleeping at all because I'm like, are they okay, you know? <laughs> so we go out the next day and I'm already like, we cannot keep puppies. I cannot, I am up to here with my list. I cannot keep puppies. And I start calling around, making sure they're not lost, all of that. We check to see if they're chipped and everything. And I'm like, you know, Mutt and Jeff would be really good names for them. Nope, no, nope, 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 Allison, nope, nope. And then my husband, who's, he's usually like, I'm the softy. I'm like, can we keep him, please? And my husband's like, no. And he walked across the, the way from the barn, and he walked into the house, and he goes, I think we should call him Mutt and Jeff. <laughs> Kid you not. These things happen to us all the time, and I'm like, I don't understand this life. So now we have two puppies that have taken over our lives, um, named Mutt and Jeff, and they're hooligans, and they're troublemakers. And we did realize that they did, in fact, break into our house because they've done it multiple times since. When the door is unlocked, they use their paws, because we have one of those, you know, they use their paws to break in. I mean, I'm telling you, they're crazy, but we love them. We love them. Okay, because um, I have a lot of those <laughs> usually. Um, what I think I've learned to do, again, this was me, not me 10 years ago, but I think what I've learned to do now is say the phrase, um, at what cost, and then go through the worst case scenario. So I'll do an example. So um, when it came to this decision to move, I had to look at, when I had all the what ifs pop up, I had to come up with a solution for them. And so for me, it was like, what if <laughs> we didn't know a soul? We didn't know anybody down there. I was like, what if we get down there and it, you know, we're just completely isolated and lonely and our kids don't like the school. And, and so I had to come up with a plan. That's probably my type A coming out. But I had to come up with a plan to say, OK, what's the worst that could happen? And the worst that could happen in that situation is that we'd say, look, we tried and we're dang proud of ourselves for trying. And now we will move back and we'll find a new adventure, we'll find a new neighborhood, we'll find a new house. Um, I also think a really important question is at what cost? We ask ourselves this all the time. So when the what if questions pop up and we're starting to you know, chicken out, get too scared to actually go through with the leap, I ask at what cost though, like at what, at what cost, what, what is it going to cost me to stay where I am? Because I think it puts those what if questions into perspective. It makes them seem a little less scary. Go ahead. Um, so our family is considering 
actual leap that involved the news. And I'm interested, how did you, my kids are on board with it, my husband's on board with it, the job opportunity involves me, and I'm the one that's digging my heels in. Mm. But yes, we're going to share with our, with my, with his parents. Yeah. He lives in your family here. Mm-hmm. Could you handle that? So I can, I can. Well, I'll let her do it. <clears throat> So you're asking how I handle it with our family? Yes. I was just saying how we're um, also thinking about taking a leap, and it involves a move, and I'm anxious about it because we do have family that um, lives here, and just Mm -hmm. how did they handle that? I'm not going to lie. It didn't go well. Um, But I think that when you just have to do what's right for you. You just have to do what's right for you and your core family. And I think in my life, I've always spent so much time trying not to hurt other people or disappoint other people. But there's power in standing up and saying, this is what I'm doing for me. And I think we get so scared at what other people are going to think or say. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So we told our parents um, our situation was difficult because it all happened so fast and we weren't planning on moving that they kind of felt like we'd been hiding it from them. And we hadn't. Um, but I think that the best thing to do is be honest and tell them your real honest emotions and then let them have the time. Once they started coming down and seeing how alive we are there, I mean, we are different people. Then it was like, okay. And sometimes I think it just takes that. One of my absolute favorite questions from that day that didn't get recorded was a young woman who asked me how I managed to reinvent myself once we moved to the middle of nowhere. And I found it so fascinating that she used the term reinvent myself because in actuality, I felt like I was returning to myself after making such a big leap. By moving and listening to God, I felt more myself than I ever had been. And I continue to feel that way to this day. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that this encourages you deep in your heart to take the risk because God is there and he will catch us. He will carry us. He will be our parachute all the way down. I love you guys dearly. I will be back next week. We're going to be talking about uncertainty, which I'm very excited about, especially during these times. If you heard something today that inspired you, please forward to family and friends. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That is how our podcast is heard. Can't wait to see you guys next week. And until then, party on.